Well, we've been in 40 days of prayer, and uh, if you haven't been able to join us, that's what we've been doing as a church for about the past 35 days. We've got one more week to, do, to go, so we are really excited as we're on the home stretch here. So by the end of next week, you will have read and read the book, Draw the Circle for 40 Days, and been praying for 40 days, and maybe more if you prayed over the weekends as well. And it's been really exciting, really great. And next week, I'm really excited about next week. So next week, let me tell you a little bit about next week if you've never been to Genie Faith Center on a Thanksgiving weekend. Every Thanksgiving weekend, we have an open mic service. So no message from one of our pastoral team. It's just you. And what we will do is give testimonies to Jesus Christ about what he's done over the past year, maybe some prayers that he's answered through the 40 days of prayer, and uh, just gives us all an opportunity to share what Jesus has been doing and to give a testimony and to praise the Lord for the great things he's done. So we're excited about that next week. So next week, come ready to share something that God's been doing. It's going to be a great time and a great conclusion for our 40 days of prayer. It's interesting that it only takes 21 days to create a habit. That's not very long. 21 days, and only 21 days, you and I can create a good habit or a bad habit. Either way, it works both ways, unfortunately. But 21 days is not very much. Now, hopefully, you've been praying for 35 days as of today. That means you've already created a great habit. You've already created a spiritual habit of prayer. And I want to encourage you to keep that habit of prayer. And this morning, I want to talk about why all of us need a habit of prayer. We need a habit of prayer because prayer is our foundation. Without prayer, we just won't make it because we build our faith and our lives as believers in Jesus Christ on talking to him, talking to God listening to him, being in relationship with him and communicating with him and connecting with him. That's what prayer is. And now that you've built the foundation of prayer, you're ready to let God build something on top of that foundation. One of my challenges to us as a church was to set an alarm on your phone at 246. Hopefully you've been doing that and now you have a habit every day at 246 to pray for our church and maybe some of the things you've been circling as well. And uh, I've had that habit over the past 35 days, although I do have to tell you, the past two days, I missed it. I took my son, Tim, hunting up north. And I've realized something when I'm hunting. And that is whenever I'm hunting or whatever I'm hunting for, Right about the time it's the perfect time to pull the trigger, my alarm will go off. Every, it's without fail. For some reason, right at that, that point, Murphy's Law takes effect in my life, and my phone will go off. So my son, Tim, it actually happened in the early season when we were hunting. So Tim actually asked me when we were going in the woods, are you going to turn your alarm off this time? And I thought, okay, yeah, I'll turn my alarm off. But what was interesting is even though I wasn't looking at, I don't have a watch, wasn't looking at my phone, my alarm didn't go off, around 2.46, something would happen in my heart because a habit had been formed. Around 2.46, there was, in my mind and in my heart, I just started feeling like I need to pray right now because I had built this habit. And so on, 
on Friday and Saturday, both days, that happened. My alarm didn't go off, but my heart did. My habit did. My mind did. I had created a good spiritual habit where now at 246, I just started praying for for our church and for our city and for you and for me and some things I'm circling. It was great. And I got to tell you, there's not very many cool places to pray other than in the woods on a mountaintop. It's pretty fun. So hopefully you've had that as well. We, we picked that time and that date, Acts 2.46, because in Acts 2.46, it says every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We picked this verse because it speaks so clearly about what we're supposed to be like as the church. We're supposed to be together. We're supposed to eat together and meet together. And our hearts are supposed to be open with one another. We're supposed to praise God and enjoy one, enjoy one another and enjoy him and enjoy all people. And in that process of being the church together, the Bible says that more people come to know Jesus. And that's what we want to be like at Genie Faith Center. So hopefully you've been praying for 35 days and now it's a habit. And I want to encourage you since you created that good habit and you started that good habit and it's a habit in your life, I want to encourage you not to stop. It's so easy to to get a habit in your life that's not good for us and those are hard to stop. Well, here's a good habit you started. Don't stop it now. Just keep going. This morning in an effort to kind of conclude our series on 40 Days of Prayer, since we're kind of doing open mics next week, um, I want to talk about how to talk to God and to make talking to God and prayer a foundation of your life. There's many things that need to be the foundation of our life, and probably one of the most important is talking to God. And I want to share several areas of our life that need, and I would say require, this foundation of prayer. The first one is our personal life. We need to talk to God because we need the foundation of prayer in our personal life. Every single one of us needs to know how to talk to God, how to listen to God, how to hear what he's saying, how to give him our lives and our hearts and confess to him. All of us need that. On day 31 in the book, Draw the Circle, that we're reading, the author posed a question that Jesus asked some blind men that he encountered one day. Jesus was heading towards Jerusalem and there were a couple blind men alongside the road and they were crying out to Jesus to be healed. And Jesus stopped in that moment and he asked them this question. What do you want me to do for you? That seems pretty obvious what they wanted. But Jesus often asks obvious questions to get something out of us, not because he needs the answer or is ignorant of the situation around him. He simply wants us to be involved in the process. The author talked about the fact that you and I are often being asked the same question by Jesus today. That Jesus comes to us and asks us, what do you want me to do for you? And in that moment of that very personal question, you and I have this little moment with Jesus. And we have to figure out how we would answer this question that Jesus is asking us. If Jesus asked you that question, how do you think you'd answer? Would you be lost for words? 
Or would you have a long list already prepared? I think I'm probably the long list guy. I've already got a long adult list of things I would love to see Jesus do. Not all of them are about me. In fact, we often discover that the prayers that are selfish don't get answered. Has anybody noticed that? I've noticed that. My selfish prayers are rarely answered. Besides, that would be boring that the 49ers would win the Super Bowl every year. I mean, we've got to have somebody else win once in a while. As you can tell, God does not listen to all of my prayers. I wouldn't mind him listening once in a while, though. This question is interesting. It shows that God's a personal God, that he loves you, that he cares about you, that he wants to be involved in your life, that he sees what you're going through, and that there are moments that you're going through a tough time, and he literally wants to stop and take care of you. He wants to help you. And he wants to do a miracle in you. But we have to be ready for the question. Are we ready for the question? While Jesus was here on the earth, if you read through the Gospels, you'll notice something extraordinary. You'll notice that Jesus had an enormous heart of compassion. You'll notice that he desired to take care of people and to do for people what nobody else could do. What actually wasn't even possible, what people seemed possible at the time. Blind eyes seen, dead people raised, demons released. I mean, all of these miraculous and radical things are happening when Jesus prays. And so I've got a couple questions for you. How do you see Jesus when you pray? What is he like in your mind? Is he fully God? in your mind? Do you see Jesus when you go and you talk to him and you pray to him? Do you see him as someone who can literally do anything impossible? Is there nothing that, that he can't do or is he limited? Or do you go to Jesus in prayer feeling unworthy? Like you know you should be there, but you also feel like you shouldn't be there. You, you feel unworthy to be in his presence. And uh, some of us feel that way and it stops us from praying well. This question and this story also reminds us that Jesus loves to, to, to pay personal attention to everybody's needs. By the way, there was a point in this story that's really interesting. The disciples and the crowd all told the blind people to be quiet. Hey, you guys, you blind beggars that are always just bugging us, would you just be quiet? And Jesus says, whoa, hold on a second. Stop the horses. And he goes over and he pays attention to the people that nobody else wants to pay attention to, that are just a nuisance. And in this moment, Jesus reminds all of us that we are all worthy of his attention, that we are all worthy of his presence, and that he wants to touch and care for and do a miracle in every single one of us. I want to encourage you. 
Please, no matter what you've done, don't feel unworthy to go to Jesus. In fact, if we put a list of Jesus' friends when he was here on earth, the list would include tax collectors, the worst on the list, <laughs> prostitutes, beggars, sinners, lepers, the worst of the worst. Those were his friends. And those were the people that he intentionally went to take care of. Jesus wants us to know that being in his presence is something he values highly. Therefore, our personal prayer life is something very important because it keeps us focused on Jesus Christ. It keeps us focused on what the Holy Spirit wants to do in you today and through you to touch somebody else in the name of Jesus Christ. That's why you and I need to talk to God every single day. It needs to become a habit. It needs to become a big part of our life because it's a big part of our relationship with God. Just like every relationship, when you're talking and you're listening, that relationship's gonna be strong. Same is true with God. When we talk and listen to him, our relationship gets stronger and stronger every day. And we know the opposite is true. Those relationships that we're not talking very well and we're not listening very well and communication is kind of poor, those relationships aren't very strong. That's why prayer needs to be a big part of our life. It helps us to focus on Jesus Christ. It reminds us that Eternal priorities can often get overshadowed by our everyday responsibilities. And we need to focus on eternal things, not just our everyday responsibilities. Because if we only get focused on our everyday responsibilities and this world around us and our selfish needs and wants, then we will often pawn our God-given dream for the American dream. Let me tell you, there's not many more great things than living in America, amen? I mean, we're really blessed. But can I tell you something? The American dream is nothing compared to a God-given dream. A white picket fence does not compare to eternity. A new truck does not compare to a neighbor and his family who just got saved and will be in heaven with you. The American dream does not compare to a God-given dream. And I want to encourage you, start dreaming God dreams and start talking to a big God. So prayer is essential for our personal life. Talking to God also needs to be the foundation of our homes. It needs to be the foundation of our homes, of our life, and then our home. Now, some of you in the room, you're single. And so your home might look a little bit different than having a spouse and some kids running around. Some of you in this room are a college student. And so your dorm is a different life right now today or your apartment or wherever you live, it's different. But here, can I encourage you this? Wherever you live and wherever you're, whatever your life is like right now, single or married, would you bring prayer into your home? Make it a part of your home. Make it a part of your dorm life. Make it a part of your apartment. If you live with a group of Christians in an apartment, make prayer a part of your apartment. 
If you live in a dorm and you have another college student, your, your roommate knows Christ, pray together once in a while. If you're single, find some good friends to pray with, but also make your home, make your apartment, make where you live a place of prayer. Now, let me show you why I think this is really important. Turn to Matthew chapter 7 with me. Matthew chapter 7. The most famous message or sermon that Jesus ever preached takes place in Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7. In these three chapters, which we call the Sermon on the Mount, which is really just a phrase to help us describe what was happening in this story, Jesus went onto a hillside and there were people filtering down the hillside and sitting on the hillside. In other words, he made a natural amphitheater and he began to preach a message. And this message probably lasted all day long. And Jesus preached about everything. I mean, he just preached the gamut. He talked about being salt and light. He talked about murder and adultery and divorce. He talked about loving your enemies. He talked about giving to the needy. He talked about finances. He talked about not worrying. He talked about marriage. He talked about prayer. And he talked about fasting. He talked about all of these things in this long message. And I thought that would, that would be fun. I just think it would be really fun one day if we just all went outside on a nice sunny day. We all got there at 8 a.m. and we all left at 8 p.m. and I would just talk about everything. I'd just talk about everything. That's what Jesus did. Hey, we're here. We're going to be here all day. Why don't I just talk about everything? Everything you could possibly think about in every way possible you can think about honoring God or not honoring God. Let's just talk about everything. That's this message. So starting at chapter 5, all the way to the end of chapter 7. But here's what's interesting. When you get to the end of chapter 7, the very last thing that Jesus says is how you and I make a foundation for our life. Listen to what Jesus says. Therefore, verse 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, and beat again, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it fell with a great crash. And here's what Jesus says. That when you and I listen to his words and put them into practice, we build a strong foundation for our life, for our home, for our house. Now, in particular... Jesus is talking about everything that he just talked about in this long message. And here's what's interesting. In this long message, we have our greatest section about prayer. Chapter 6. 
We actually call it the Lord's Prayer. That's right. We call it the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6. It's what everybody knows, right? And here's this section on prayer. And so what Jesus says is, if you're going to build a great foundation for your life, you need to pray. You need to fast. You need to be a person that's talking to me and listening to me. See, prayer needs to be a habit in our home. It needs to be a prayer in your uh, a habit in your personal life. It needs to be a habit in your marriage. It needs to be a habit with your roommates. It needs to be a habit. Let me talk about what you can do if you're married. If you're married, I want to encourage you to pray with your spouse. I want to encourage you to hold your spouse's hand and pray together. Here's something I've discovered that I think is a biblical truth and very true. That the closer you get to God, the closer you get to each other. It's true. If God is here, and I'm here, and Kate's here, the closer we get to God, the closer we what? Get to each other. I think that's true because God created Kate and God created me. And nobody knows me better than God and nobody knows Kate better than God. And if I'm listening to God about Kate, maybe I'm pretty smart, but maybe I'll also get closer to Kate because I'm getting closer to God. So hold each other's hands and pray and talk about everything. I want to encourage you to pray for each other too. So husbands, pray for your wives. Pray for her relationship with Jesus to be strong. Pray for her to be a godly wife, to be a great mom that disciples your children in the Lord. Pray for her to have some great friends that she can do life with. Pray for her cooking to be delicious. <laughs> Pray for her to grow in the knowledge of God's word. Pray for verses over her from the Bible. Pray for specific needs that you talk about throughout the week. Pray for everything you can possibly think of for your wife. And wives, do the same. Pray for your husbands. Pray for his relationship with Jesus to be powerful, to be a servant leader in your home. Pray for him to love you like Jesus loves you. Pray for him to love your children and to love your children at the right moment and be sensitive at the right moment. Pray for him to be a great employee. Pray for him to honor the Lord in every area of his life and then pray for those specific needs that you guys talk about together. Pray for your kids. If you've got kids in your home, whether you're single or married, pray for your kids. Did you know that you are the spiritual authority in your home? You should be the physical authority, but you're also the spiritual authority. So go to prayer and fight for your kids. Fight for your kids in prayer. It's the battle zone. So pray for your kids. Pray for their protection from the evil one and from the evil in this world. In fact, I'm, I'm thinking that this might be one of the most important prayers we pray as parents. In the day in which you and I live, we live in a very evil world, and one of the most important things we can do is pray for our kids because the moment they leave our home, they're going out there 
into a crazy world. Pray for every stage of growth for your kids. Every season and every age is a different thing to learn in a different moment. And they're, they're learning different things and their mind and their hearts are being open to different things. Pray for every season and pray specifically for those different things in that season. Pray for them to love the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Pray for their specific needs and pray for their future. Pray for their future when they're going to be an adult and they're going to be in relationship with Jesus. Pray for their spouse. Kate and I have been praying for Allie and Timmy for their whole life. Allie's about ready to turn 20. We've been praying for Allie's husband for 20 years. We've been praying for Timmy's wife for 16 years. We believe wholeheartedly that there is a man out there for Allie. He's going to be a godly man. He's going to be strong. And he's going to be everything we've been praying for. Now, I don't mind that they're not dating right now. It doesn't bother me. I'm okay with that right now. But he's out there. And God's preparing him just as much as he's preparing Allie so that when they get together, it'll be a great God connection and they can be married all the days of their life. And we're praying the same for Tim. Pray that for your kids. Pray for their future employment, what they're going to do with the rest of their life and how they're going to make finances so that they can be, become a great giver. Pray for their finances, that they'll be solid and strong. Pray for their home. Don't just pray for your kids. Pray with your kids. They also need you to pray with them, to learn how to pray, to model how to pray. So sit down with your children and pray with them. Have a list of prayer requests and pray together as a family and pray for all those specific things on your list. And then let your kids share some things about what's going on in their heart and in their life and pray for those things. And by the way, don't ever think that a child's prayer request is dumb. Because re remember that when Jesus was talking about great faith, he grabbed a child and told all the adults in the room that if they want to have great faith, they need to become like a child. So don't ever think that a child's prayer request is silly or dumb. It's probably, it might be closer to Jesus than yours and mine because they have great faith. And it's innocent faith. It's simply, where's daddy? He can do anything. Sometimes as adults, we need to be more like kids, right? And I'm not saying we need to be childish. We just need to have childlike faith. Amen? Amen. Pray at mealtimes. Thank God every single time you get food on the table. Because we are extremely blessed in this country to have lots of great food. Amen? Amen. So thank God for your food. And model prayer for your kids. And then... Pray with your kids during those random moments. Like there's all kinds of random moments that happen throughout the day, like an ambulance goes by with their lights on. And we all know that ambulance is heading to some place that's difficult and challenging and somebody's life might be in danger. Right there in the moment, in your car or wherever you're at, tell your kids, hey, pray with me. Let's pray for wherever that ambulance or that policeman or that fireman is going. Let's, let's pray. Maybe your sister calls and 
Your sister's got a tough thing going on in her life. And when you hang up, pray with your sister, their aunt, and their cousins. Pray for family right in the moment. And just pray for whatever random things are happening throughout the day. Stop what you're doing and pray. There will also be moments that God will answer a prayer right in the moment, randomly. And you'll know it right in the moment. Stop and thank Jesus that he just answered your prayer. And let your kids know that God answers prayer and he just answered one right now. Have you ever been in a um, moment where you yell out Jesus' name in a good way? Like right before a car accident or something? Like, Jesus, save me! Those types of things are great moments for your kids too. If Jesus protects you in a great way, thank Jesus right in the moment. Talking to God needs to be the foundation of our homes. Talking to God also needs to be the foundation of our church. The church is the people of God, and we are the followers of Jesus Christ, led by his spirit and empowered by his spirit. And so the people of God need to be talking and listening to God. There's another moment in Jesus' life that I find interesting in Matthew chapter 21. In Matthew chapter 21, he records this moment in Jesus' life where Jesus is entering the city of Jerusalem and he's getting ready to go to the cross. Now, no one else knew that, but he knew it. In fact, at the moment, it's, it's a celebratory time. It's a great day. Jesus is entering the city of Jerusalem, and all the people believe that he's going to save the day, that he's going to overthrow the government, that he's going to establish this perfect nation again. <coughs> Excuse me. And that Jesus is going to be king. After all, who wouldn't want a king that raises the dead? Amen? He can do anything else. We should probably make him king. But in that moment, Jesus knew he's, he's not coming to be king. He's coming to be savior. He's coming to die on a cross and rise from the dead to conquer death for us, not just conquer a nation. And in this moment, right as he comes into Jerusalem and there's all this celebration, he takes the parade right to the temple. And what's interesting is what he does when he gets to the temple. It says, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Now, I know we don't have a temple anymore because God's presence doesn't live in a location anymore. He lives in you. That's right. But here's what I find interesting, and I don't think it's too much of a stretch, and it's this, that where the people of God meet together, that should be a place of prayer. That when the people of God get together, that's what the temple was for, is where the people of God got together and met. That where the people of God meet where the church gets together, there should be prayer there. And that's why when you come to church, we pray a lot. 
We pray at the beginning, we pray in the middle, we pray at the end, we pray for missionaries. You find us praying three or four times throughout our service. Why? Because the people of God pray. That's what we do. We talk to God on a regular basis because we need to be reminded that prayer is the foundation of our lives. Now, we understand that this building is not the church, that you and I are the church. Therefore, that also means that prayer needs to be happening outside of this room, everywhere you go. Have you ever thought about that? Like when you and I meet together and we meet together in here, we get to pray a lot together. But then what God asks us to do as a church is to scatter all over eastern Washington and pray all over eastern Washington. I think it would be interesting sometime to put some dots on a map where you and I all work. And I'll bet we'd find that geographically, God has probably spread us out into all these perfect spots where he wants his presence to be known all over eastern Washington. Wouldn't that be interesting? I think we discover that God has us all in specific places at specific times for a reason. To see his kingdom come and his name be known on this earth like it is in heaven. That's why we pray when we meet together on Sunday mornings, in life teams, in Bible studies, special classes. It's also why we pray whenever and wherever we go as a people of God because God is listening and we need him in our lives more than anything. We need his strength and his wisdom, his healing, his power, and we need him at work in our lives and in our world, so we pray. As the disciples of Jesus, we need to be praying people. And I'm going to encourage you to be more involved in prayer. I'm going to encourage you to talk to Jesus more. I'm going to encourage you that when we open this building for a time of worship and prayer, that more show up. I just put my coaching hat on, by the way. Sometimes uh, I'm, I'm just starting basketball coaching right now, and sometimes I got to put on my firm basketball coaching hat like, you guys stink at dribbling. Let's go. Come on. Let's get better at dribbling. Is it okay for me to say, sometimes we stink at prayer. We need to get better at prayer. Like when we had our worship and prayer night, I'm just going to be honest, the room should have been full. Is that safe to say? Is that okay to say? Is that okay to challenge us? The room should have been full. Because the people of God should have said, we're having a special night of prayer. I'm going to put that on my calendar because talking to Jesus is important, and I'm going to put everything else aside. I don't care that the Seahawks are playing in the afternoon. I can DVR that, and I'm going to go pray. Do, do, is it okay to make the Seahawks more, less important than Jesus? Yes. Then could we do that? Let's start doing that. Let's start praying more and focusing on us less. Talking to God also needs to be the foundation of our city. It's the foundation of our life, of our home, of our church. Next is our city. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe Jesus died for everyone in Cheney? Yes. Everyone on the West Plains? Yes. Everyone in Eastern Washington? Yes. Then we should be praying. Yes. Then we should be praying for everyone in Cheney, at EWU, other college campuses around, Eastern Washington, 
and to the ends of the earth. We should be praying. And we should pray for people to believe in Jesus as their Savior. We should pray for the prosperity of our city. We should pray for the problems in our city. And that means specifically for Chini, we need to pray that our city can dig a new well and we can have more water. Yes. I mean, serious. Is that not an issue in our city? Then we should be praying for it. If you live in Medical Lake, what are the issues in your city? Start praying for them. Start praying for the leaders in that city. Like, I'm sure the mayor has probably had some sleepless nights thinking, I got to put that stupid sign out in front of the city again, and everybody's going to be mad at me because we don't have enough water. Well, our city is growing, and we, it takes a lot of money to dig one of those wells. And so you got to save for a long time. And all the while, we say our mayor's an idiot while he's trying to save to get us a well. Well, let's, let's pray for him instead of complain about him. Amen? And let's pray for those issues in our city to get met. Pray for the first responders in our city and their protection. Pray for righteousness to reign in our city. Pray for our schools to be protected from all evil. Pray against crime and disasters and anything that wants to hurt people in our city. I recently did that this summer. I took a little adage from the Bible that Chad talked about during worship, and I walked around the city of Chini seven times this summer, and I prayed. And I prayed several things that I would like um, to share with you, so I, I would like you to join in prayer with me on these things. I prayed several things. First of all, I prayed that there would be times that God would tear down walls in our lives. Because just like Jericho, there were walls that had to be teared, torn down. I think in our lives, there are walls that we put up that stop God and others from getting in in good ways. Yeah. And those walls, they need to come down. Yeah. And then there are other walls that need to get built up. Some of us don't protect ourselves very well from media, unrighteousness, <coughs> evil, and dangers in our life, spiritually, physically, emotionally. And those walls need to get built up so that we can recognize proper boundaries in our life so that we can live fully for Christ and in the knowledge of God and not live partly in the world and partly in our relationship with Jesus. There needs to be a good boundary there where we say, no, I'm living for Jesus and everything else can stay out. So there's times that walls need to get torn down and sometimes they need to get built up. I prayed that our city and the West Plains and Eastern Washington would begin to have the spirit of Rahab. Let me explain that to you. You remember Rahab? She was the, the, probably the chief character in the story of Jericho, actually. She was the prostitute that housed the spies. They went and hid at her house, and then she let them out her window. But before she let them out their window, she had this conversation with them that was very interesting. She said, our entire city now has a fear of God over it. And I, I, I want to ask you, when, when you come in, would you save my family? 
And they said, yes, you, you put this cord out your window and God will spare you. And so this has been my prayer. That a reverent, godly fear would fall over our city and eastern Washington. That people for no reason would begin to think about God, wonder about who Jesus is, and desire relationship with him, and they have no reason why. Simply because they're beginning to understand that they need a relationship with their heavenly father and their creator. I've been praying that. The last thing I've been praying, and this happened kind of midway through my prayer walks, I began to pray that the compassion, that Jesus would have great compassion on the West Plains and our city. Here's why. I noticed that every single time the Bible says that Jesus had compassion on something, a miracle happened. Every time. If you read in the Gospels, every time Jesus had compassion on somebody, the next thing that happened is like some dead guy got raised. Or some prostitute who just got caught in adultery just got radically forgiven. Or some lepers, 10 of them in a row, all got healed. See, miraculous things always followed the compassion of Jesus Christ. And so I've been praying that Jesus would have compassion on our city because I want to see miracles happen here. I want to see all kinds of radical God awesome things happening in our city as you and I begin to understand and experience the compassion of Jesus Christ in our town. So pray for our city. Lastly, talking to God needs to be the foundation of our world. So you believe that Jesus died for the people in Chini. That's kind of easy because we, we're kind of in unity together because we all kind of live in the same town. But do you believe that Jesus died for everyone in the world? And I mean, do you really believe it? And how far do you believe it? What's the extent of your belief? For instance, do you believe that Jesus died for the enemies of the United States? Yes. Do you believe that Jesus died for terrorists? Yes. Do you believe that when he hung on the cross, he didn't want that person to grow up as a terrorist? He had a whole, whole better, different plan that included his love and his grace and his kindness. They've just chosen a different road. Yes. If that's true, then we need to be praying for the rest of the world as well. We need to be praying for our missionaries. We need to be praying for trials that the world is facing. There's something very radically interesting in the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is about the end of time, what happens at the very, very end. And what's interesting, at the very end of the book of Revelation, when you and I are in heaven and we're standing before the throne of Jesus Christ and everything has been made right and Jesus has come back and there's actually no heaven or earth anymore, a new heaven and a new earth has been created. There's this radical moment where we're all standing before Jesus and the Bible says this, that every nation and every tribe and every tongue will have a representative around the throne of Jesus Christ. 
If you believe that and that is true in the future, then that means that Jesus hung on the cross and he rose again for every single person. And that you and I are now responsible as a church of Jesus Christ to pray people into the kingdom and to go into the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. We're called to pray for our city and we're called to pray for our world. Because prayer is the foundation of who we are. Would you stand with me this morning? Lastly, I'd like to say this. Prayer is like food. It's like food. Whenever we eat and eat well, I should say, right? We give our body the protein and the vitamins, the acids, the carbs, even the good fats that it needs to survive. That's what happens when we eat well. That's what good food does for our body. It helps us survive. Prayer is like that to your faith. Prayer is what helps your faith in Jesus Christ to make it, to survive. Prayer gives our faith the communication and the praise and the encouragement and the confession that our faith needs to survive. It gives us the connection with Jesus. It gives us the intimacy it gives us the presence and the power that we need in our relationship with God. Therefore, prayer needs to be the foundation of our life and every area in our life. In the book that we're reading, Mark said this about a foundation of prayer. He said, if we lay a foundation of prayer, God will build something spectacular on top of it. If we intercede like never before, God will intervene like never before. And that's my prayer. That's my heart for us as a church, for us as a people, from Cheney to the ends of the earth. That God would intervene like never before, before he comes back. So let's end our time together with a word of prayer. And could we just invite God to intervene in our personal lives, in our city, in our homes, in our marriages, in our parenting, and to the ends of the earth? Let's pray.